Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. So, hey guys, welcome back to Crazy Juicy Love. I have a profound privilege to have this wonderful man uh, on the show. His name is Asa Laveau. Uh, He is the creator of the uh, Entrepreneur, and I really love that name. Um, Thank you, Asa, for being on the show. Of course, you do not turn down. Uh, you do, you do definitely not turn you down when you say you want to be on your show. I am here and in color. Yes. Yes. Well, first I want to <laughs> let people know who you are, a little bit little more detail. Like, you're an international speaker. You wrote three books, which is, I, I'm like so fascinated by that. Um, you're a coach, clarity coach, brand ambassador. And I mean, you're just like on the roll, man. I mean, on the road, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing the things that bring me joy. I can Great. say that, I'm, and I'm not pigeonholed into one thing. Um, and I do all of these things because I understand my purpose. My purpose um, is really to just make sure that everybody I come in contact with, physically or virtually, or in auditory form, understands how purely divine and necessary they are and if i can do that in any capacity then i've met my mission Mm, i really love that um that's so beautiful um before we like the the, well the title of this particular podcast is how to date (laughs) and dating an entrepreneur but at first i just want to get just like how did you even get into coaching like can you tell me more about your business your coaching and are you specifically working with queer um, entrepreneurs? How did you even get into coaching, first of all? So coaching, I got into coaching because I was 22 years old and I started opening businesses in Oklahoma City. Hmm. So at 22, I had a retail store, like an oh, wow. actual store in the mall, not a kiosk in the middle, <laughs> about a, uh, like a store store. So we sold um, fraternity and sorority regalia as well oh, as wow. multicultural artwork. And my store was called Mahogany Concepts. Mm. And I did that because I had uh, pledged uh, Capital for Psy Fraternity Incorporated. And, oh, as a, and as a result of that, out in Oklahoma, I was like, where do we go to get Greek stuff? And there really wasn't anybody, so that's why I opened the store. So as a result of doing that, then my mother, who had had a chain of uh, daycare centers, called me one day, it was like, hey, sir, we should open a daycare center. Like you open it and I'll run it. So I, I was actually owning a center. And I'm not oh, talking wow. about a fam- I'm not talking about a daycare home where you got seven people in your house. I'm talking about we were authorized by the state to oh, over a hundred children. Wow. So that's a like that's a significant center. And then on top of that, had the audacity <laughs> to actually have a commercial janitorial company. And it was the first one I had ever, ever done. 
And I had never even bid on a proposal for anything like that. And now hold up. Come to like, f- were you doing this the same time as running the daycare chain too? All three things at once. Wow. And I was 22. And then people 22. kept coming up. People coming up to me saying, hey, so how are you doing all this? How are you 22? My thing is, people saying you're 22. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? I can drink and drive. Like, <laughs> I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> right. I'm grown. And, by that, and by that time, I was married with a child. Wow. Because I got married at 20. So I'm like, what is the problem here? But they kept asking me. So, you know, how are you doing this? How are you doing? So I would just tell them, like, I would tell them everything. They're like, well, how did you, how did you do this part? And I would tell them. Well, how did you open the LLC? And I tell them. Well, how did you get the EIN number? And I tell them. Well, how did you start? And I tell them. And come to find out, I didn't know until years later. That's called coaching. Mm. I didn't know you can make money from that. But it wasn't until somebody told me, and it was Lisa Nichols. She told me, is like people personally. will pay. Yeah, like oh. Lisa Nichols knows who I am. Like <laughs> wow, like people will pay you not for what you do, but for what you know. Mm. And I was like, for real? <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, that's how it started. I'm curious, like, how do you, like, I mean, you, you essentially, like, out of high school, I guess I'm assuming it was creating these sort of ideas and visions from 18, then got married at 20, now 22, opening your first business. Like, how, like, what was that transition? Like, like, what was, like, like what inspired you to even create the first business and what steps did you take to even opening up the first business? Well, it was actually, it wasn't, it was different. I've been all, I have always had an entrepreneurial mind. And so what mm-hmm. that looks like is when I was around eight, I was in children's church. I grew up church of God in Christ in Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. And that meant that we had something called children's church. So all the kids were in a different part of the church than the adults. And so one day I'm literally like seven or eight years old. I'm looking around and all these kids keep asking each other for candy. And I'm like, Hmm. So that night, <laughs> While we're driving home, I asked my mom, I said, Mom, will you take me to Crest? It's the grocery store in Oklahoma City. And she's like, for what? I said, can I buy candy? She said, why you want to buy candy? I said, so I can sell it. She said, you want to sell candy? I said, yeah. All the kids at church keep asking for it and don't nobody ever have none. So she gave me a couple of dollars. We went to Crest, got a Ziploc, a Ziploc, you know, gallon storage bag, put all the candy in there. Next Sunday, I was selling. <laughs> Like, seriously, it's just been in my head. Like, if I know about a problem, I'm like, hmm, how can I fix that problem? It's never about seeing somebody else doing it Mm -hmm. and then wanting to capitalize. It's always, why is nobody doing this? And so that's how I started the store. And even you take, so you take me being seven, eight years old and you fast forward to me being 13, 14. I'm like, I want some money. (laughs) Like, for real, for real. I was yeah. And I was like, what can I do? I was like, I wonder if I take, like, I was literally just sitting around the house one day. I was like, I wonder if I took the lawnmower and I pushed it to 7-Eleven by Murder One. Murder One was, is mm-hmm. the neighborhood I grew up adjacent next to, which was filled with bloods. That was like the place where, you know, you really don't want to be like the gang, but, the bloods. Oh no! Like for real, for real. Like mm, do wow. not wear, do not wear blue in 1990s at that 7-Eleven 
like it's about to be a problem. So I would, I was like, what if I pushed it, asked mama for a dollar. My mama has been an angel investor forever. <laughs> so I, Cause you know, gas is cheap. So a gallon of gas, you can get that for a dollar, a dollar something. So like, if I get a dollar and put the gas in the, I put, like fill up the gas tank in the lawnmower and the gas can, put the gas can on top of the lawnmower and then mow my way back and just tell everybody for 20 bucks, I cut your front and your back. On the and way that's back what I did. from the gas yeah. station, you, you just like door to door. Door to door. I was 13, 14 years old in the summertime, knocking people. They're like, hi, ma'am. Hi, sir. Uh, may I cut your grass? They're like, what you want? And they, they seriously did just like that. <laughs> what you want? I said, man, I'm just trying to cut your grass. You know, it's only twenty dollars if I do the front and back. Or I can do the fifteen for the front or just the fifteen for the back. And like, all right, well, go on out there then. And then I do it. And then I knock on the door. It's done. And they pay me. And I just mow my little stuff back home. Make a hundred dollars a day. <laughs> wow, that's so that's so great. Like at that young age that you started to really develop that mindset. It's like for me. You know, I didn't start to develop this mindset until like early later in life. And it's like, okay, I really don't want to work for other people because it's like I, I can get more done by myself. Or if I started to learn how to direct others and then I could just create my own thing. And this is how, you know, part of how my journey into coaching. So I'm just curious if like, so when you, so you're entrepreneur. And so how did you even come up with that title and why specifically queer, queer people? So that is so long. So please know, I did not start out as an entrepreneur. <laughs> not at all. I When I first got into coaching, which is 2013, I called myself a bliss, a global bliss coach. Global because, bliss. Uh-huh. because I had fell in love with the term bliss. And the definition of bliss is being... Oh, it being so happy that you are oblivious to everything else going on. Mm. And so when I found that word, I was like, oh my God, who doesn't want that? The only thing was, no, people wanted it, but you can't, like, that's not the result because how do you measure bliss? Yeah. And so that was the disconnect. And so I went from being a bliss coach to being a genius activator. Why? Because my consulting and my training and development agency is called Genius Academy. So I was looking to brand myself with the agency. Mm. So I was like, I'm a genius activator. So sometimes when I'm still, uh, you know, talked about in entrepreneurial circles, somebody will refer to me as a genius activator. And that came from that. So then I was like, no, I don't want to be a genius activator Mm. because that pigeonholes me. So then I became a clarity coach. I'm like, that's what I do. That's what I finally, finally, I have it. I am America's number one clarity coach because when people come to me, no one leaves without getting clarity. And clarity is key mm-hmm. and it's first. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm, I'm the dopest clarity person out there. Like literally, I can put, I can make you clear in 15 minutes because I'm that good at it. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm focused on that. And then... There's something happened in the middle of me being a clarity coach. I came out to the world. Mm. And then (laughs) I started operating in my genius of being a coach and doing my best to reconcile 
being a coach and being queer like how in the whole hell do i put these two things together so that my remember oklahoma bible belt I'm talking not just the belt, but the buckle of that shit. So, <laughs> so uh, ooh, how, girl. <laughs> like how, how do I put that together? Because I don't want people to come to me, not know that part about me. Yeah. Then they find out, and now all of a sudden they don't want to do testimonials. Right. Now all of a sudden they don't want to tell anybody they worked with me. Now all of a sudden I don't feel free and maybe talking about, you know, my experience that I had at the gay club or right. somebody that I'm seeing or being interested in. So now yeah. there's a wall because I can't be fully myself the way I'm asking them to be fully themselves. Right. And that's th- th- before you go on, like, I, that's so great because I for me, I had that sort of initial and it's going to lead me to my next question to you. Um, when I first when I was in my certification program, you know, uh, I started with Catherine Woodward Thomas of Calling in the One, and she told this story of how she's white, and um, and she told this story how she led a, a workshop with a room for the black women, and so she was like, she felt so awkward, so she said, sometimes you have to announce the elephant in the room, and so she was like, well, isn't this awkward? I'm a white woman teaching. And works a workshop for for black women. Does anyone have anything to say about that? And I thought, do I need to like start announcing that I'm gay in front of everybody? Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was just like, I don't like. Why do I have to an- announce this every time I work with someone? And I talked to her. She's like, no, no, no. You don't have to do that. Uh, it was just in this case. If you feel, she said, I just felt it, it, it in the room that I had to bring it up. And I mean, lock on wood so far, I haven't had, you know, that issue uh, because it's, it's, it's like when you say this right, it's like, how am I teaching someone to be them full selves in their business and in life? And I can't even really be authentic myself with the mm-hmm. that I'm coaching is a huge barrier. And it's so inauthentic if I'm operating in that space. Exactly. You are definitely, you hit that nail on the head. For real. And so I'm curious, how did you work through that? And like, were there barriers? Were there any like pushback when you started to opera, um, change? Well, the thing about it was before I did it, people had been coming up to me and saying, you know, Asa, you really could kill the the queer coaching space because nobody is yeah. diving into that, especially as a black man. Nobody and as a black man is really occupying that space. You might have some white women, but as far as black and then black man, no, no yeah. one is doing it. And so this would be the greatest thing for you. Now it'll be, you know, you have to go over some things to really get it pushing, but you know, you could really do well. And so I started actually working with, of course, people that I had been attracted to. So I start coaching, you know, some of them to get testimonials. And then I have, you know, something called Queer School. Queer School came before I mm-hmm. um, I referred to myself as entrepreneur coach. And so because of that, I had contacts that were in business. So then I would uh, coach them. And based on that, I started to look at what was the difference between my sessions with queer identified people versus quote unquote straight people and the difference was I could talk to queer people on a level 
that wasn't just business, but it was soul work. Mm. Because the soul work had everything to do with them not feeling worthy based on childhood traumas or current uh, expectations of other people about what their lives should look like. Mm. Mm. And because I could now have my own coming out story and all those things, now I not just understood but could reciprocate the energy because I've lived it. Mm. Yeah. So now my sessions with them were more like giving because it was more reciprocal than a straight person. Now I say that to say this, though I understand that I market to the queer community, it does not mean I do a disservice to anyone that does not identify as being queer because what I will not do is I will not reverse discriminate. Right. I think that's crap. I think that's just because I felt discriminated and I'm going to show you what it feels like. Well, that person didn't do the discriminating. Mm, so what do yeah. you, so that's not fair. So even though I have, and I tell this to clients, even though it's, you have to have, you have to be clear about your market. Who are you going after? It's like fishing. I'm going after lobster. However, when I pull the net in or bring the cage in and there are mussels and crab mixed with the lobster, guess what? I'm going to eat them too. <laughs> so if I'm going after queer identified entrepreneurs and straight people come back, then guess what? I'm serving them too. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Um, I'm curious of like, um, what are some of the fears that some of the queer entrepreneurs that you work with, like what are some of the common themes or patterns that you see and hear over and over again? And how do you help them work through it? The struggle to be authentic. Mm. The struggle to be authentic, meaning how do I, with my list, and my, <laughs> and my bent wrist and my yes bitch yes how do, <laughs> how, how do I reconcile that with what I can do or what I can create for my client hmm. how do I be that because maybe I've identified with that not being professional yeah and so somehow it's like we need to put ourselves in a box so that we can be accepted into other people's worlds. Yeah. And my thing with them has always been, well, first let's talk about who you're meant to serve. Now, once we identify who you're meant to serve, let's talk about why you think they aren't ready for all of who you be. Mm. Yeah. And why did you make that up? And who told you that? Yeah. So true. Because my thing is, just in case they see you at a pride event, they need to know what you up to with the world. Let, let's not keep this a secret. And so, of course, there are people and people that are my age. I'm 36 currently. And there are people my age and older that definitely believe that who I'm sleeping with is none of anyone's business. So I'm like, <laughs> but, but all of your colleagues come to the chamber event holding hands with their person, but you still say that's none of my business. But you go to all these events where everybody else is booed the hell up and you're yeah. not saying nothing. Or it's like, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to like ruffle the feathers. It's like, you're expressing their love too. So why can't I, you know? So Exactly. You know, and, exactly. And it's like, also, it sounds like you're teaching people to um, 
just be them full their them full selves in their work environment because it's like if we're going to bridge the gap then it's important for you to accept fully for who you are in order to live your truth in front of people so they can see it because it's it's like uh who i forgot i think it was harvey milk when he said queer people come out be seen be known let people hear your story so you can so you can educate them so they can learn about you because it is important to be a queer entrepreneur and be out so people can just learn about you learn your mm-hmm. story learn that you exist Exactly. And my thing is, something else that Lisa Nichols told me uh, when we were in Costa Rica, she looked at me and said, I had told her some story about me go being in an elevator, I think it was, and I was in the corner of the elevator so that me as a man, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't make the women um, in, in the world, you know, feel some type of way about me they wouldn't feel you know the whole me too movement they wouldn't feel as though um i was a potential threat or something she said i need you to look at me mm. and i said okay she said i need you as a black man to show up i need for you to begin mm. taking up space she, you that. you don't need permission to be as big as you're supposed to be. Mm. Take up space. Stop cowering in the corners of your life. And so from then on out, I just don't do that no more. If somebody wants to feel threatened, then let their ass feel threatened. <laughs> but, but I'm going to be all of me as big as I am in living color and all yellow and pink that I adore uh, and make no uh, no apologies about that. However, though I make no apologies about that, if I ever find out that I had wronged a human, I do understand that I my, my brand and myself are not one in the same. Mm-hmm. So though I have an unapologetic brand, it does not mean that I am above apologizing when I understand that I have wronged someone. Yeah. I and I think entrepre- entrepreneurs don't always know that or uh, reconcile that, especially black ones. I'm just going to go on and say that. Uh, <laughs> this is real because a lot of us sometimes are very dismissive with boy by and all that, that we are so dismissive that we don't take into account that someone was hurt by an action yeah. or a word that we spoke. Yeah, and that's 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 really great. Like I do find that sort of like dismissive culture. Like, you know, I was at an entrepreneurial event um, the other day. It was a gay and lesbian entrepreneur group that I joined, and um, and I joined this group because a lot of people were super nice, super like successful, and it was like really interesting when I when I ran into one of those dismissive person. It was like so odd, and it's mm-hmm. like. like that is not what I want to be around. And I don't want to be that type of entrepreneur or gay entrepreneur to just so quickly to dismiss someone. Um, and and, it's, and it's, it's just such a stereotypical thing to do. And I, I just, this is, I'm just not interested in that kind of behavior. And I'm just so, and I really appreciate what you're doing is that really 
having that authentic um, communication and teaching people how to do that and showing up, showing up, showing up as their full selves. And like, I love when Lisa Nichols say that, like take up space. And it's like, you know, learning to be gay and black, those two things, like taking up space, especially with what's going on in the world today. It's like learning to, and keep reminding ourselves to take up space with our with our brain, with our education, with, with our, our businesses and making an impact, which is, uh, and keeping our brand and our intention alive, making a positive impact on not only the queer community, queer community but the world in general. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you saw it, assessed it, and then opted out of that experience <laughs> because um, I often find out that you know people forget that they are not trees and that they can move, <laughs> and you don't have to just be sitting around talking to people that don't bring you joy. Like, you can just make a new decision and move, yeah. Um, so that your experience really is something that you like. Now, how do you work with someone to, and I, what I was also was like when I was getting from you, because I've worked with a guy, uh, one of my queer clients, um, just getting him out of like shame and getting to getting him to a place where he can show up fully as himself um, and just be free. You know, how do you work with uh, a client to get them to or cause them to embrace their lip risk, their, you know, their lisp voice and really, um, uh, you know, extend or capitalize off that uniqueness of who they are. We get very clear. We get very, very, very clear that they are not a mistake. Mm. We also get very clear that they are their ancestors' wildest dream. Mm. Yeah. We also get clear that if the divine wanted you to be something else, then the divine would have <laughs> you to be something, something else. else. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and please, and for also know that though you're a, a certain family or all of family, a friend or all of friends, a portion of the community or the entire community may have treated you or exiled you in a way, please know that there is some human mm. in the world that has been waiting for you to show up authentically just like you. Yeah. Um, I often have to even say this to people <laughs> I've loved in the past. So um, within the LGBT community um, and specifically within gay or bi men there is this thought that to be attractive and wanted that you need to be number one white mm-hmm. <laughs> number two masculine mm-hmm. number three built like a football player mm-hmm. <laughs> or a lumberjack and the thing about it is those don't always mean beauty to me so I am someone who adores uh, guys that are not masculine. I adore. So my thing, if they are gender bending or gender fluid, like I will love that person in public. Literally, mm-hmm. I will love them in public. Um, they are not a. They are not a wet dream that stays in a closet. 
Mm. Um, if somebody came to me and they were not built and they were very, very petite, my thing is I love their petiteness. I really do. And I'm, I'm not asking you to drink not near protein shake. <laughs> <laughs> not who you are not never protein shake and when I do that they're like wait what's wrong with you <laughs> it's so interesting I, I, I'm glad you said that because it's so like it's interesting I dated a guy who just couldn't take the fact that like I just accepted him for who he is and who he is not like I didn't ask him to change anything he was like what's wrong with you I'm like what do you mean like you, we don't argue, we don't fight, you don't ask me to do this and that. I'm just like, I don't want you to. Like, I just accept you for who you are. No, 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 that's something, gotta be wrong. I'm like, do you want something to be wrong? You know, it's like, it's so, uh, I guess, you know, there's a difference when you do a lot of work on yourself and you don't need somebody to change uh, who they are to be for you. You just like, you just keep it on yourself. Like people find it hard to believe. Um, but I just, I just find it so interesting, like being in a space and time of like dating and we get into the subject of dating now, like someone like ourselves to just accept somebody and love them for who they are, who they are or not. Like, why do you think that's like so uh, int- or hard for other people to like grasp that you don't have to change who you are mm-hmm. just to be with, be with us? You don't, and a lot of, and I've realized that people that have that response have a lot of of inner conversations about not being worthy, Mm -hmm. not being valued, Mm -hmm. uh, not being enough. And um, I will say, I have finally transitioned from being somebody who would take that notice of conversation and look to be their somehow their mentor. Uh, or their coach and I would do my best to mentor them or coach them in that moment and I have learned that I don't want a mentorship I want a relationship yes so (laughs) so, uh, anyone that says you probably shouldn't want me or you should probably there's somebody better and my thing is now now at 36 I listen and I'm like ooh you just said there's probably somebody better. So if you can tell me that there's somebody better, maybe I should listen. Yes, that's what Oprah says. People tell you who they are in the first mm-hmm. 30 seconds. And when they do, you should listen. Yeah. Cause <laughs> so that whole conversation, like, why do you like me? You can like somebody else. Hmm. Maybe hmm. I should. And I say that to say I had an ex. I had an ex. And she told me, by the way, I'm pansexual. She told me that um, she was talking to her then current boyfriend about me. And he was asking, him and his friends were asking questions. And I guess it got brought up and she was talking about all the things that I had done. And like I had took her to the Grammys one year and we were living in California and like all this stuff. And they were like, whatever you didn't date him and then they showed she showed the picture of me and then her boyfriend her boyfriend told her you could never get a guy like that wow i'm like if the person who's loving her told her that i (laughs) 
that she couldn't get me. And at that time, I was still very much in love with her. Like, why am I, why am I still wanting her like I am? If the if people around her don't even think that she's worthy of my time. Hmm. So I started paying attention to things like that, like a lot. Um, and I got to say, it has helped my me being better. It really has. Yeah. And it also, like, when you listen to those clues and what people say, like, you, for me, I just learned to listen and mm-hmm. stop wasting time. Um, so getting in segue into that, like how to date an entrepreneur, I remember, you know, listening to your podcast and everybody love what you had to say you know i'm just like so i'm curious of like before we get into the four agreements and some other things um like so how what is it like to date an entrepreneur like what are some important things that and what are some frustrations when it comes to dating that you find dating while being an entrepreneur um so there's this thing called assumptions that are riddled within new relationship possibilities within an entrepreneur and a non-entrepreneur. And let me first by stating that I don't find it that entrepreneurs are somehow better than Mm. non-ones. I'm not under that mindset at all. We are all doing the best we can with the information that we have at the time we have it. However, entrepreneurs could have a life like, okay, so I need to get, you know, this video out. I need to be on my phone because I'm on social media platform doing my best to let people know about what I am, but also being conversational so that everything isn't a sales pitch because through the conversation, people know who I am and what I'm up to in the world. And then I need to go to this meeting. Um, I need to see if this contract proposal can work. And then I need to um, actually work on this contract proposal for the next day. And then I need to send out 50 emails. Uh, to potential clients, let them each be introduced to my brand and what I do. And in the midst of that, you have this person that's looking at you like, okay, so why aren't we going anywhere? You spending all your time talking to all these other people and you can't talk to me. Mm. So within that, there's an assumption a lot of times that the entrepreneur values others more than they value the person they have recently swiped right on. That's the that's the basis of a lot of things. And um, uh, this can be totally alleviated just by communication. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur myself, I, I do tell people automatically, like, please know that I am in business. And so you may have a day where you work from maybe seven to four. And so from four until the end of the day, you know, you're just free. Like you're at home chilling watching tv meeting people you know at Mm -hmm. six for drinks cleaning up your house being bored watching reality tv in this in that entire time i am doing a sales page or that entire time i am working on a deliverable for a client or that entire time i'm making sure that my podcast episodes are sent out or that whole time i'm writing an article or a blog spot to let people know about what I have going on. And so our lives are just different. Yeah. However, if you are missing me, if you are wanting me, well, all you have to do is say so. Yeah. 
So it's just simply like you like real, like you just said earlier, like communication. Like I find that's one of the biggest things, like communication, and especially as an entrepreneur, your your schedule can change, or you have like we literally run by a schedule. And you know, I remember I was um, uh, I think it was Tinder or OkCupid. Okay I can't remember which data set, but anyway. Um, Match with a guy, we were like chatting, the chatting, uh, well, messaging back and forth, it's really great, you know, and um, we were going to go on a date that Friday, mm-hmm. but okay, so, you know, um, where are we going, what time we, <laughs> we're going, uh, he's like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll message you on Thursday, I'll take care of everything, you don't have to worry about anything, I said, okay, sure, so, you know, Wednesday comes, I'm just like, mm, I need to like, have this on my calendar so I can know how to, I need to know how to plan my day. So that way I'm not like in the city doing things and errands and then I'm like, have to rush back home. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I'm like, okay, let me reach out to this dude and get, you know, the full one. He was in message him. He was like, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. I'll have everything planned. I said, okay, okay. I'm going to trust. And my instinct was like, he got nothing planned. So Thursday came. He was like, I'll contact you Friday morning. That was my second sign. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to give this up because now I'm in my head about this dude. And so Friday came, you know, I, I kind of scheduled myself with everything in the morning and made sure I was home because we were going to go on a date in the neighborhood. And so got home around like four, four o'clock, you know, so I just like, I want to get ready. He was like, oh, by the way, I have to work. And I was just like, see, like mm-hmm. this dude, like, like this communication is so key. And like, and I, and I love what you, you brought up to four agreements. Like this dude had no integrity, like integrity being impeccable with your word. It's so critical. Like, why is that so critical for you at least? Why is communication so critical? Have being impeccable with your word going on. Oh, being impeccable with your word. Oh my God. Being impeccable with your word because like you said, you don't know all the things that I moved around just to see you for an hour. Yeah. You have no freaking clue the 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 oh the, the discovery call that I moved, <laughs> the podcast that I shortened. The um, the the halt within my article that I was writing, all in an effort to be impeccable with my word, so that you cannot text me until fifteen minutes until afterwards, told to me saying you weren't coming. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that automatically, like I'm, I'm literally like fuck it, like I'm out, like I'm out. Because if you aren't able to respect me on that level, I don't want to do anything else with you. Of I don't course. Want to do, I don't want to do nothing else. Because, because it, you just yeah. know. Like, mm-hmm. ew. Because <laughs> if you're like that in the very beginning, this is what I figure you have, we have to deal with you throughout the dating experience. And I'm not, I'm not with it. I'm curious, do you have an example of like that actually happened to you? Ooh, okay, let me see. (laughs) Uh, I have actually, I have actually been in another city. Hmm. Like I've gone to another city 
for a person. Oh, wow. And they knew I was coming. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And once I got there, I said, all right, I'm here. Now, of course, I'm not staying with them. I was in the Airbnb. And I got there. They knew I was coming. They knew I was coming to see them. There's messages to validate both. And when I got there, well, you're going to have to wait. I say, I say, wait. I'll say, I'll say, huh? Yeah. You know I was working. Uh, I know you have a job, but I told you that I was coming to your city. So you're telling me that I can't see you. Well, I mean, if I get a chance, I might. Ooh. <laughs> I was, oh, oh, we want to play that. No. You think you, you, you are so fine <laughs> and so wanted that I drove, what was it? Nine hours. Wow. From Oklahoma to where? Texas. Ooh. I drove nine hours to come see. Cause my thing is when I like you, believe me. There is evidence to convict me of liking you. <laughs> like driving hey, nine like, hours. <laughs> like, hey, I've driven, I've driven, I've driven Oklahoma City to Michigan for one night. Wow. Believe me, when I like you, <laughs> there is evidence to convict me of liking you. Um, so yeah, they just literally did not give me evidence that they had taken what I had done and and able to see them and be with them on a, on a level of reciprocity. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Like in the, in the, uh, and they had a, they had a job and that was it. They had no children. they had no business. They had nothing extracurricular demands. So it wasn't like they were playing even, you know, community theater or, uh, intramural sports, yeah. nothing, nothing. They weren't even on a frisbee team. Wow, nothing, nothing. And I was like, This now it still took me a whole nother year to get <laughs> over that person. It still took me a whole nother year. Um, but I've learned a lot since then. Thankfully, I've learned a lot since then, and now I am overly communicative. And overly communicative means telling some people, please understand that I'm just not meeting you. I think you're attractive, but all I'm really available for are good morning text and sexting. Mm. What was your biggest lesson from that experience, <laughs> you think? My biggest lesson from that experience is stop putting your worth into their acceptance of you. Mm. Yes. And that's what I was doing. I was putting my worth into their ability or non-ability to accept me. Um, and I also learned with that is they're not showing you or saying anything to bring you. What they're doing is they're saying enough. So it would be like this. Yeah. It would be like you saying, Asa, I really, really like you. So how about we go out? And I say, I mean, if you want to go out, let's go out. Oh, like, no intentionality, no. No, it's nothing. <laughs> and then say, I, and then me, you saying, I, let's. I will, you know, I, I'm really digging you. I just want to be there for you, and I'm thinking about staying here in the city uh, to be closer to you. But I would like to know what you feel about me. I mean, you gonna do what you want to do anyway. So you know, 
<laughs> that, that, that conversation needs to be about you and whatever right. you do that you need to do. Now, I'm curious because, like, I find as being a coach, you, you read things or you hear things differently, especially for me now, I feel like my ability to read people's text messages and messaging back and forth, like I'm like, oh, hmm, this may be the subtext behind this message. Or like people say the certain thing, certain things, but you start to see a pattern because it's like, I feel like as a coach, you're so trained to look at patterns, see the disbeliefs, see the, um, uh, these conversations because you're so in these conversations all the time like you can quickly recognize when someone's like has no intentionality or not aligned with the word I'm curious how much of being a coach affects you to say yes I'm going to go on a date with somebody or yes I'm going to go drive nine miles Do, are you quicker now to recognize these patterns uh, when you first initially start to initiate a conversation with someone? Oh, I'm quicker now because now I'm not with the shits. I'm so <laughs> not with the shits. <laughs> and so what that looks like now, okay. So if I get the response of, okay, let's say I'm like, I really want to see you and you say you want to see me, but we don't actually see each other within two different times. I will then hit you up and say, would you, are you available for a conversation or can I send this through text? So I'm asking for clarity. And so they say, which one? And okay, good. So either by text or by combo, I say this, how I am feeling is I'm feeling as though you do not desire to be bothered by the possibility of me. Mm. Based on this, 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 and this, and yes, I do go a public defender and I do put out exhibit A, but it would be exhibit C. <laughs> I, I promise you. Oh, Lord, it sounds um, it like is, me. It is, it, is, it is the closest thing to reading you for filth, but making sure I see you in a divine way. So, yeah. so I say, with all these different things, I'm not seeing that. Could you provide evidence to me to let me know that you are just as interested in this possibility as I am? And what are your response? What, what kind of response you get to that? Oh, I get all kinds of love <laughs> <other> responses. <laughs> I've gotten, I've gotten. Um, see, you're just a little bit too much for me. This is, this is, this is crazy. This is nothing should be this hard. And I say, God bless you. Goodbye. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in letting people go. I love them go. It's so interesting. Like the same guy I'm talking about. He and I gave him a second chance, and I was like, and he did the same exact thing. I said, um, I said, I think it's not going to work out. I, I'm looking for someone who has integrity and who's actually going to show up. He he he, he messes me back. F you, you don't know my life. I'm like, uh-huh. I, do, I don't. Just all kind of triggers. I'm like, but I I don't know your life. You're not allowing me to get to exactly. know you. <laughs> exactly. And I'm feeling the same exact way because I've gotten those responses too. Like, oh my God, fuck you. You're just a, like, you're just so fucking arrogant. Like, no, you looked at my Instagram and my LinkedIn and you Googled me. And so you made up an identity about me that isn't real. And now you're trying to equate one thing with the other. The correlation is not there, nor is the causation. So no, thank you. Right. You will not put that on me. Try again. All right, and it goes to the next agreement. Don't take anything personal. Exactly. I'm like, I'm, especially if I'm giving you language to let you know I like you. Because I'm not somebody that is, um, I don't, I'm not very in the closet about my likes, my dislikes, either about a person, 
a group of people or whatever. I literally, like, literally, if I like the person, I say it. Like, I like you. Is it a possibility that I can know more about you and get to know you? And then if I don't have any evidence that you are feeling me too, I will then bring that up. I'm not giving evidence. If there's no evidence, we can't be talking. Right. Or I put you in a um, in a category that you know that you're in. Like I said, I tell this person, please know that I had one uh, plan for you and what you're showing me that you're only good for sexting. Right. So I'm not, I'm not going to ever meet you or ever meet you again. Um, however, you're very responsive in this manner. So when I'm available in the middle of me, um, you know, talking to clients and uh, doing interviews and all this, uh, you can tell me what's good uh, yeah. in these messages real quick and have a mutual energetic uh, beneficial moment for the both of us. And then I see you on tomorrow. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, you hit on something um, because uh, there's um, this <laughs> MTV show. I don't know why YouTube recommended this, but I'm not sure if you've seen the the, the MTV show Catfish. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, how do you text someone for a year and not be on the phone and not meet them and call call it love. And, mm-hmm. I, and I have this thing, especially when I first initiate with uh, online people, like if I don't, if we're not talking on the phone within the first week or two, I don't think that we're going to meet because I don't want a, for me, I don't want a texting relationship. I want real connection. And I think a lot especially in the community in general, specifically we're talking about the queer community, LGBT community. Sometimes like we, a lot of people have forgotten that we're wired for a connection. We're born with connection, born with scenes, uh, like the five senses, you know, like touching, tasting, smelling, like wanting to have that visual connection. A lot, a lot of that's been lost um, with, with, I, I would say social media, but, it's, it's 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 being lost and like I'm really for me as an entrepreneur like I'm I'm spending most of my time doing all the podcasts doing all the writing doing all those things I I want to be able to have to hear someone's voice to like mm-hmm. touch them to smell them so I'm curious of how much what do you think about that like the sense of like connection being lost these days when it comes to dating so I definitely understand and as like I said I'm I'm 36 and so. Um, my and because I don't necessarily look 36 according to people that would like to be dating me or being interested in me I get people that are relatively young and I mean young so their process of communication is different (laughs) and so they could go weeks and fucking months without having a conversation on the phone and be and that be life-giving and i'm like yo 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 Mm -mm. i'm used to when i was when i was coming up 13 14 if we wasn't sitting on the phone at 11 o'clock at night for an hour and a half (laughs) two hours you know with me singing to you songs on midnight soul on bet you know can i get a kiss good night from black street if i wasn't doing all that i wasn't in love baby so I don't understand not talking to you and not hearing your voice because if I like you, I want to hear your voice. And so they usually when, if I do uh, become um, involved with them, they always say, 
wow, we're, we've talked on the phone for an hour. I've never done this. I'm like, you've never yeah. talked on the phone for an hour? Like, what's, like, what? I had a guy, like, <laughs> freak, I had a guy freak out on me. He's like, why are you calling me? I'm like, well, you're, we're both available right now. Right. <laughs> I want to hear your voice. Right. Uh, I couldn't. I was just like, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm not yeah. sure. There's a, um, a documentary called The Dating Project. Mm-hmm. And this teacher, she's a, a, a psychology psychology teacher, and she did this experiment with a, this um, younger generation. And she said, okay, this is the rule. The, you, if you like somebody, you can't text him. You can't go to their social media. You can't DM them. You have to physically go up to them and ask them out. And the person who asks them out, they're the person who pays for pays for the date. And you're and you have a budget for the date, twenty dollars. That's it. And so they all are freaking out and no, they freaking know out. Out. That's <laughs> shit. That's me on a Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the end of the documentary, they were like, what? they were like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. This is better than texting. This is better than DMing. Like I actually feel a connection with someone. And when they were on the other room was when they were on the date, they couldn't uh, pick up their phone. They had to actually have conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, it's, it, it comes down to like these days of like having rules, um, to, in order to like to be on a date, and it's, I, I, it, it, I guess it is what it is. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that I feel that has been is it feels like it's losing its luster um, with as generations are coming up. I am definitely someone that goes to clubs um, and goes out and I don't need to be... Now, if it's... Remember, me, I'm being pansexual. So if I'm attracted to a guy, I will not... If we're not in a gay establishment, I'm not... Because I live in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, even though it's getting better, it's still not on the level of a New York or an L.A. Let's just be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want to be walking up on people that may not be accepting of that. So if I had to be in a gay establishment in Oklahoma for me to approach someone, but I will, and I do, I am very much the person that says, excuse me, I really find you attractive. I don't want anything from you, but I would like to know if I can buy you a drink. Mm. And if they say, I don't drink, I would say, Soda is fine. May I, <laughs> may I, may I get that? Now, if they deny that, then I'm out. Because of course, like, if you don't want soda or Hennessy, like, I'm out. Um, and I and I get the I get it without you having to say that you're not interested. So yeah. that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I I love the the thrill of it all by walking up to somebody uh, 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 having a conversation because I have some of the best experiences have come from that but what I'm definitely seeing now even in Oklahoma at a a gay establishment is that people will look at each other and I guess I don't they're, they're very they treat every scene like it's the Met Gala yeah I'm like, baby, this is a dive bar. 
like why are you tripping? Like we're all in baseball hats and hoodies, uh, drinking liquid marijuanas. Like this is not the Met Gala. Like calm down. If you like somebody, just say so. But that's not the case. Everyone looking as though they cannot be approached, like they are above it all. And then they spend their whole time at the bar on apps, seeing if the person that they're attracted to is on the app so that yeah. they can converse with them. Yeah. And I'm like, when I'm at the, when I'm out, like who gives a damn about an app? Even if I'm on the app at that time, cause I go through seasons of it. If I'm on an app at that time, then I'll start swiping. But if I'm not, if I'm out, I ain't think about that. I'm trying to find out, okay, who in here is fine as hell yeah. and who do I need to talk up? I have had wonderful moments just by walking to somebody saying, you are hot as hell. Like, I have had the best things happen to me yeah. based on oh just that. So I, anyone that's listening, if you haven't done it, just try it. Because you don't know what that could lead to. And it's honestly the best experience. It's probably how I got <laughs> majority of the people I've dated. Like, just walked up to them and just saying some kind of like, you know, I just really find you attractive and I would really love to take you out sometime. Just to mm-hmm. be like, cause you're basically doing the thing that people these days are not doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ooh, who are you? You know, and it's such confidence. And when someone do that, it's like, it, for me, it perks me up. It's like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's see. Let's see what goes. Yeah. Um, so, um, how much time do you have? As much time as you need me to have. All right, I'm gonna take you up too long, but I'm just like so. I'm just like curious of too. Like, what is your advice for entrepreneurs who are starting to date? Like, what is something like? Because I, I it's it's uh, what kind of what is the kind of conversation that one needs to have with somebody who's not an entrepreneur or someone who's dating an entrepreneur? Because like one of the biggest things for me is like being being patient and being supportive knowing that you have my back in this and not like criticizing me from like doing what i'm doing but that that support it's so important like what are some what are some of the important qualities that you look for um when you're about to say yes to someone i need to understand their capacity Mm. what do you mean what that that? means is have you ever like somebody that you realize they don't even have a capacity to be in a relationship. Mm. Meaning they got a lot going on. Like they're trying to move at the moment or they just moved and they have a new job and you know they had a death recently in the family or someone close to them and there's a lot of drama going on within their within their friend circle uh, and you know, like it's a bunch of ands, like you just don't really have the capacity to mm-hmm. really do this right now. And so what I do these days is my conversation is all about capacity. Do you have the capacity to love me? Do you have the capacity for the sex I actually like? Do you have the capacity to respond mm-hmm. to texts in the way and in the time frame I like for them to be responded? Do you have the capacity to uh, be around me in person if you live in the same vicinity as I do? Mm. I need to know about all those capacities because I've definitely learned just because they single don't mean they available. 
True. And that's like really important to like to have the ability to have a certain conversation to see are they mentally ready? Because uh, sometimes we get so caught up in the way somebody looks in their job, but are they actually, do they have the uh, the capacity to love or be loved? Mm-hmm. Are they ready to love right now? Because I, you know, I dated, a, I went on a date with this guy. I was like, he's Italian, you know, I, we finally like made a plans for a date. And so we're in a conversation and I don't know how this came up. He was like, oh, I'm still living with my ex. And I was like, what? What? And he was like, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we we still live together. And I was like, okay. So I was like, so how long have you guys been separated? He was like, oh, three weeks. And I was three like, weeks. Child. <laughs> 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 and I was like, and you're already on a dating scene? Three weeks? He's like, yeah, I'm ready. And I was like, Mm-hmm. Have you healed anything? I like, and I was like, well, what kind of work have you done in order to? He's like, oh, you know. But this what came out for me. This this was a bit big red flag for me. Some from somewhere in the conversation, he said, I was mentally checked out in the relationship before we broke up, and I was like, no. I, I like you. So basically, from point A to the point you broke up, you were pretending to love this person, mm-hmm. not being authentic. And I was like, I can't date someone who is leading someone on for this X amount of time. And then right. I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. You know, and basically, I, <laughs> our date sort of like just, I didn't say that to him, but I was like, I, I was like mentally making note, like this is a red flag. This person is not ready to heal. I'm not ready to be in a relationship. And I need to like enjoy this moment right now for who he is. He's cute, he's attractive, but this is a no. This is a this is a no. It's like, so what are some of the red flags you look for or come up for you when you're when you're dating? Red flags. Red flags would be um, <laughs> on grinder while you are in my presence. Really? People oh, do that? Oh my lord, yes. People have done it. People have wow. done it. Wow. That's bold. People, man, and not okay. It's so not okay. Another red flag would be um, of course the 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 everlasting yeah we're gonna meet up and then not yeah um that's that's big i i only uh thankfully i don't do it as much as i used to meaning i don't put up with as much as i used to i used to put up with you know it being perpetual yeah and now you have two times yeah how long someone should wait before they say we're not actually meeting like what do you what is your role my thing is i'm i'm just clear um, so after the first one, after that we don't meet the first time, I will say, well, first I need to find out why we didn't meet. And usually people are, if it's a real serious thing, people will just say why it was. But a lot of times you can know they're being underhanded or they're, they sound like they're not being fully, um, just fully transparent mm. about the reason why. And so I say to them in that moment, 
please know that um, with you, I, I wasn't prepared for a, um, a just a virtual relationship. I was looking for something that I could be in person <laughs> since since you aren't far away. And so since you're here, I would like to actually meet you. And so do you think that this can actually take place? Because I don't want to have this whole back and forth where we're trying to meet up, but we don't. And so based on that response, let me know if I should go further. So if it's a mm. very, it's a response that says, oh, no, no, no. I definitely want to meet you. Just this happened. It won't happen again. Let's do it. Because that has happened recently. I connected mm. with someone, um, again, younger. And I was like, well, let's meet up. And we had planned to, uh, I, he had asked me to come to his house and meet his friends because I was going to cook dinner. But he's like, no, let me cook dinner. Let me and my friends cook dinner for you so you can meet them too. And I was like, oh, okay, great. He then, so it's like and two hours before and he texts me and says, I'm so sorry, but I can't come to find out the play that he was working or is working on. Um, come to find out he, he was the understudy and the person that had the role got sick and so he had to go in oh, okay. and do a last minute but the thing about it was we had been communicating so I, I had already known that he was in a play mm. so if, if we hadn't been communicating I didn't I'm like how would I if, I don't know you in a play something's <laughs> wrong with that anyway right. but he let me know and so we didn't meet up <clears throat> And then um, it happened again with this same person. Two weeks later, we were supposed to meet up at a bar or a club and something happened with a friend. The friends he was going with decided not to go out. And I was like, okay, that's two. You don't get three. Not with me. <laughs> you don't get three. <clears throat> and so I was... I, I even though I didn't say anything to him because my thing is I felt like he was I felt like he was being trustworthy in what he was saying mm -hmm. but I was just like mm, I'll just let it fizzle and so then I get a message saying hey I'm gonna be out and I'm like well I'm already out and so they told me where they're gonna be and I said okay so I'll go there and they're like okay well we're coming I'm like, okay so I'm at the spot and then I get a message that says my friend left her uh, driver's license and so we can't come in I said so where are you they said we're in the parking lot I say okay if you're in the parking lot that's a good look at least you're in the parking lot so I went out and finally met the person in the parking lot we, I then got in I ended up getting in the car with them we ended up spending you know uh, the rest of the evening with the friends and it was really cool and I got to meet all of them so that turned out to be something but I saw effort was put and I saw that it wasn't just a lie or wasn't putting me on like you say you're in the parking lot okay I'll right. come out the place and come see you uh, but if there's just this perpetual like it's always something I'm just gonna let you know um, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like this is going to be the best use of my time because when I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'm I'm definitely going to be there. You can count on it. You can set yeah. your clock to it, pretty much. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so we're coming to the end here. Someone asked you a couple of questions, 
And it's like, whatever quick answer, would love to see your response to it. So, um, so what does a life of love mean to you? What is what now? What does a life of love mean to you? Oh, a life of love. <clears throat> Am I able to wake up knowing that I deserve every ounce of love that this mm. world can give me and that I can give myself. That's number one. Can I wake up knowing and putting myself into this flow of love? That's number mm. one. Number two, am I able to see everybody like they are somebody's baby today? Mm. Meaning, there may be, I may call T-Mobile, I may call the gas company or whatever. I may be in Walmart and there may be a person who isn't providing evidence that they are also living a life of love. But can I look at them the way their mother looks at them or the way their spouse looks at them and say, wow, they deserve to be loved still. Mm -hmm. So am I able to do that? And then also, can I respond to everyone today with love being first? Mm, that's a big one too. <laughs> yes. Um, because I don't desire to make anyone's day more difficult than it may already be. Mm -hmm. And I desire to be a moment in someone's day was like, wow, that was nice being with them. Yeah. Wow. That's and so if I can, if I can do that and I, I, my intention is to do that so that I can, yeah, be in that space. Now, the other thing about that is knowing when I am not aligned <laughs> for, <laughs> for that possibility it means I probably shouldn't answer the phone today. <laughs> I probably, I probably should not respond to that email I probably shouldn't leave my house uh, <laughs> well that's a really good assessment like knowing just knowing where you are in that moment to not make mm -hmm. anybody else miserable right <laughs> and a lot of times we don't always do that yeah. for ourselves we just allow ourselves to just be doing what the hell ever this uh, is, not this is like, who I am right now. like <laughs> this is just this is me I'm like, no, this is this is the evil you. Go back, change your inner clothes, and come back as the other person. Um, because I'm going to let you know right now, if you come to me with that shit, no. You are not welcome, wanted, or appreciated. Go back. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So, um, I, I know I didn't announce this before, but you have a son. So, I'm curious, um, what <clears throat> has your son taught you about love? First off, my son is not difficult to love. At that's first. He is he is he makes love easy. Mm. My son makes love very easy. He 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 allows love to abide. Mm. Um he actually helped me with my gayness that may sound weird but here's how it goes <laughs> so i was a child and i was raised in a home 
where I didn't get my first hug until I was deploying to Afghanistan in 2003. Wow. So if you are a black man and you didn't get a hug until you were 20, what might that do for you? Yeah. And how might you see love and how may you see what that expression can be? So fast forward, my son is around four and we're in the mall in Oklahoma City. And we're just in the mall. He's walking next to me. My son reaches up and grabs my hand. And it takes every single thing from my big toe to the end of my earlobe to not push his hand away. Mm. Because I have no idea what this is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know how to squeeze his little hand back. None of it. I have no idea what to do in this moment. This is foreign to me. This is the equivalent of being kidnapped, taken to Russia, with no clothes, no transportation, no use of the language, and someone telling you, you need to start a business in it, it is completely foreign. Mm. And in the moment, you feel like it's impossible. He taught me that it was okay to show that I liked this person. He showed me that. He has no idea what he did, but he did it. And mm-hmm. so after it was years later. Um, I wasn't even I wasn't even actually with this guy. And I we were talking and we were in a parking lot in Dallas, Texas. And I asked him, I said, Would you mind if I held your hand? And he said, What do you mean? What are you getting at? I said, I've never held a man's hand before and would like to know what it feels like. Would you do that for me? And I would not be able to get there until I had been there first. Mm. Wow. So yeah, my son, my son allowed me to know what it could look like um, by sharing the expression of love through a hand. Mm. That's so beautiful. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Most welcome. <laughs> and so what does this transitioning to this next one, what does a juicy love life looks like to you? A juicy love looks like, of course, something that is reciprocal. Um, So when I am in love, I am, I saturate my partner in the knowingness that they are wanted. And I, what's juicy to me is having that reciprocated back to me. 
that they are just as enamored and enthralled with my existence as I am of theirs. Hmm. Juicy love looks like, let me just go through the perceptions. <clears throat> Juicy love to me tastes like sugar rice on Saturdays. That means me making the part. If I ever love somebody, whenever I love somebody, I make them my favorite comfort food, which is sugar, rice, and toast. Hmm. So the delicious love tastes like sugar rice on Saturdays in pajamas or limited clothing. I'll say that. (laughs) 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 Juicy, that's what juicy love tastes like. Juicy love sounds like being told how much they truly desire my attention because words of love words of affirmation is my love language so being able to actually hear what I do for them Mm. how I do it when I do it uh, how often I do it that's juicy to me (laughs) delicious love looks like a kiss coming it looks like a kiss coming that moment before you close your eyes while you see them with Mm. their eyes closed coming into your face Mm. delicious love looks like that and delicious love feels like their head on my lap. I am someone who shows love by stroking heads or um, <clears throat> greasing scalps or, <laughs> or, or um, just playing with hair. Anytime someone is vulnerable enough to surrender their heads to me, I do not take it for granted. And I use my empathic healing abilities to infiltrate their existence by totally massaging their scalps. Mm. And so anytime I get to that level where they are comfortable enough to lay their head on my lap while I do that to them, delicious love has arrived. Mm. That's so awesome. I love your that visual. <laughs> and finally, where can people find you online? So I am Asa Laveau everywhere. So if you have no idea how to spell Asa Laveau, because you don't feel like going to the show notes, <laughs> I get it. I totally understand. So Asa is A-S-A, not A-S-I-A, because that's Asia. <laughs> not, A, not A-Z-A, because that's A-Z-A. I said Asa. That's A-S-A. And last name is Laveau, which is L-E-V-E-A-U-X. If you are a veteran, that is spelled Alpha Sierra Alpha Lima Echo Victor Echo Alpha Uniform X-Ray. For all of my my veteran friends out there. So you can find Asa Laveau everywhere. Um, I even made it a little easier. So if you go to acelaveau.com, 
you can find everything there. But if you're like, okay, I want to get to his YouTube. So I made it easy. I like these things called vanity URLs. And so what I did was I made everything this way. So if you want my YouTube, you go youtube.acelevo.com. You want my Instagram, go to instagram.acelevo.com. You want my Facebook, facebook.acelevo.com. And so that way, you know where I am, but how you want to experience me as well. So wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to learn more about you and what you do and um, giving advice to others about um, being an entrepreneur and dating and like just to hear like the impact you're making on the queer community. Just so refreshing. And it's like what you said earlier, like there aren't many coaches, from my knowledge, um, that I don't even run into, especially African-American, that often. It's like such a rare um, thing. Um, And I just, I'm just honored to have this conversation with you and knowing that the impact that you make with people. Thank you for your impact. Thank you. And I so uh, appreciate you allowing me to come onto your platform. I do not take that lightly at all. This has been a joyful experience. I appreciate this. Your show and you are necessary. Please do not ever or do your best not to get discouraged if anything is ever discouraging you because this is a needed um, segment in our day. Mm -hmm. So thank you for creating it. And then like Lisa Nichols says, I need you to show up. Mm-hmm. All right. Indeed. All right. Thank you. Most welcome. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it, Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.